Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Jacqueline Sun. I'm a fellow Virgo moon reminding you to prioritize play and fun in your life, even if you're going through those moments of deep healing. I'm so excited to chat more with you glow baddies soon. I'll see you in the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Glow Radio. Today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Mari. She is a spiritual coach and energy healer. So I'm very excited to chat with her today. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm super excited to dive into our conversation today. So how about you start off by just telling us about what you do and your journey of how you got here? Oh my goodness. Yes. Do you want the long version or the short version? I'm down for the long version. I love the deep stories. Okay, cool. So I pretty much work with women to help them have Um, transformation and healing in their life so that they can push past limiting beliefs, karmas, uh, traumas, and these different things that are really holding us back in our everyday lives. I mean, there is a reason that we have anxiety or like are having financial issues, or maybe you're having issues getting clients or all of these different things. They come from somewhere. And So I use the Akashic records and energy work to help heal and remove these blocks so that it's kind of like removing out all these lower energies so that women then can grow higher and reach taller and grow into that next level version of themselves. Um, So I'm definitely an entrepreneur. I've had a few different businesses and it took me a long time to find the one that was the most fulfilling, I would say. Um, My other ones haven't felt like they were, they didn't have much purpose to me. And I kind of did them because it was what was expected of me or what other people thought I was really good at. Um, And so for me, my entrepreneurial journey has been quite the roller coaster, but I started doing the corporate thing originally when I graduated college I had a salary job it was a good job I was um, working for a nonprofit as their marketing director and I was working those 60 to 80 hour weeks and I was burnt out and it was not what I knew I was supposed to be doing Um, I know we hear this story a lot but it is so true. You kind of do what society expects you to do. And a lot of more people are just waking up these days. And as we do that, we're kind of like, I don't think I want to work 80 hours a week. That's not what's meant for me right now. Um, And so that's kind of where my entrepreneurial journey started. I was really stressed and I was coming home crying from work every day. I was drinking a lot. And it ultimately, I was just ultimately sober out. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, So I started my own clothing store, actually. That was kind of like a fun passion project of mine. It was just something I was always interested in. Um, And it didn't 
take up my time. I actually lost my home the week I was supposed to launch due to a natural disaster. And so that put a real damper on things. But I, it took a couple of months to really come back and I started doing freelance marketing work to fill up my time and make a living. And so from there, I started my second business, which it really just evolved into unintentionally. (laughs) And it took me a long time to move into the path of spirituality and be open enough to talk to people about it. Cause it was something I was always really passionate about. And it was kind of like, um, it was very meaningful and almost, I don't want to say like a hobby, but it was, it was something I was really into, but I didn't share that with a lot of people. And I wasn't very open about it. And I never could have imagined that turning into a business. And as I evolved in my own healing journey, it started becoming more apparent to me that that's what I was supposed to be doing. And that's how I was supposed to be helping people. So that is a recap of kind of how I've gotten to this point, but it has been a lot of ups and downs and a lot of um, questioning myself and taking leaps and, you know, an entrepreneurial journey is scary. People don't often say that you usually see people front get to like A to Z and they're usually see them at Z and they're successful and they're thriving and they're doing so great. And you don't usually get to see the years and years that they took building that business and struggling and trying to get there. I feel like your story is so relatable to me because I also had a professional marketing background and kind of throughout those years, I was very entrepreneurial. I feel like a lot of people forget that the journey in life is like a process of trial and error because it took me like over 10 years to get to the point where I am now, where I feel like I'm just starting to find my direction in life. But I've definitely started probably like between five to 10 business projects and they just didn't work out or taught me a lesson in the way, but definitely happened for a reason and led me to where I am now. I'm very curious, how did your spiritual journey start? Okay, so I grew up very Catholic, like I went to Catholic school, went to church a couple times a week, you know, we had to pray before every meal, all of that stuff. And so spirituality is very outside of the box for my family and my, the way I was raised. And when I went to college, I had kind of just gone through a dark night of the soul. I um, lost my grandmother and it was very, it was a very trying period. I had to transfer schools. There was so much different, like multiple traumas compacting. And throughout all of this, I really lost my faith and I was really angry at God. So I went into college. I didn't know what I believed in. I was questioning everything. I was pissed off. And my roommate at the time, actually, her mom did energy work and um, they knew someone who did the Akashic Records. And she was like, yeah, I just did a reading with her. Do you want to try one? So I was like, I have no clue what this is, but like, sure, let's do this. 
And so the very first spiritual thing I did was I did an Akashic Record reading. And she told me all of these things about God and manifestation and law of attraction that at the time I was not aware of at all. And it was really mind blowing to me. Um, but that's kind of where my journey started. I started looking into chakras and angels and just tiptoeing into the spiritual world. I wouldn't say I was by any means like going crazy with it at that point. But when I graduated college, uh, the very first thing I did was I drove down to the Florida Keys from Michigan and I did a three week, very intensive yoga teacher training. It was uh, such a spiritual experience for me. My clear senses like blew wide open during this process. And I did so much clearing and healing work throughout those three weeks that by the end of it, I was just, I felt like a completely new person. Um, so that's really where I kind of started getting into it. And from there, I continued during spirituality. I got my Reiki certifications. I um, was taking courses on like learning about crystals and different energy work and all kinds of things. And really, I kind of would like sway back from it sometimes and go back and forth on my spiritual journey. But when I was really living on my own, when I was really doing my own internal work, that's when it all kind of came to the forefront again. And people started coming into my life who were really spiritually focused too, that I felt like I could be more open with and talk to them about these different things. And so I think that's what made the biggest shift for me. But it's really funny to me now, because now I do the Akashic Records and it just feels so full circle that that was like the very first spiritual thing I ever really did. That's so crazy. I feel like it always happens like that. Like the universe just comes around somehow. And once again, I feel like I can relate to that a lot because I also grew up in a very religious family. Like my family is very Christian. I was immersed in that when I was a child and living with them. So knowing that I'm, I'm wondering like, how did your family take it when you were into the spiritual stuff or when you needed to tell them what you were doing for work? Like, how did that go? Yeah, I kind of feel like they just put it to the back of their minds for a while until I was really like, okay, I'm starting a business with this. Um, cause for years it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, whatever, like, we're just not going to really ask you questions about it and let you do your thing. Um, and when I started my business, I told them, I was like, so I'm kind of doing this thing with my spiritual stuff. And when you guys are ready, you guys let me know, and we will talk about it. And you guys can ask me questions whenever you want, but I have always been a person who I'm not going to like force this on anyone who's not comfortable having that conversation. I want them to really be interested enough to ask me about it and feel comfortable enough to ask me about it. So it took a few months before we got to that point even. And I think my family is very open to it. They've been open enough to do different spiritual things with me that has really given them more faith in it. 
but I think at some points, you know, any parent in that situation, even anytime you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter what your business is. They are always just going to be concerned about you and your financial stability and your long-term abilities with your business and all those different things. So I think that's always scary. And I just have to remind myself that it all comes from a loving place and, you know, they're, it's, it's always good intentions, but they have definitely come a long way. And so it's nice that I feel like I can really start sharing more of this with my family. That's really good to hear. I feel like that sounds like very reassuring because even in my own situation, I feel like I don't really talk to my family a lot about the stuff that I do because I feel like they're literally going to tell me I'm going to burn in hell because they're like so far off from this stuff. And I think a lot of the times um, there's a lot of fear in, in the religious realm. And like we grew up, especially having an Asian background, I feel like our culture is very much fear-based. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I have yet to kind of share with my family what I've been doing, especially with Uh, astrology because I'm a big astrology nerd and I feel like I've kind of touched on it a little bit kind of like tested the waters but didn't always turn out so well so we'll see how it goes in the future (laughs) yeah and I mean it's that's how I kind of felt too I feel like it wasn't really anything that like my church did or my family did it was just the way I interpreted the religion it was like well, God loves you and he'll always love you and forgive your sins. But if you do this, you're a sinner and like, you're going to hell. And so I, the two things just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, can you can't really have both here? (laughs) Um, but it's, it's definitely something where I think sometimes I come off really strong. I'll start talking about like these crazy out there things. And they're like, um, now you're starting to scare us a little bit. Can you like reel it back in? So <laughs> I try not to, but it's also, I've gotten to such a point with it where I'm just really open and honest about it. And I'm like, well, you guys kind of ask. So <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get that. I feel like I, the more I learn about spirituality, I feel like I understand religion more in a way. And it's almost like, it's all kind of the same thing, but sometimes just interpreted differently or, you know, humans made it a certain way, but similar to you, like, I don't like to talk about it with people who aren't open to it. And I, and I don't like to like force people to be interested or anything like that but what are your tips for setting boundaries in your family since we're talking about like these kind of touchy conversations oh man so boundaries for me has been and probably most people it has been the biggest struggle with setting boundaries um like it's easy it was easier when I was really learning and working on boundaries to start it professionally and with my work and then to move it into supportive friendships so that I could really grow strong in my abilities to set boundaries and then from there start incorporating it more into my family so I guess that would be my first tip is that you really want to get good at setting boundaries and you 
need to kind of figure out what those boundaries are. And that can take some time, especially when it comes to your family, because your family is the one environment where you usually don't really have many boundaries. Um, for me, some of those boundaries looks like leaving the room or physically leaving the location when I need to. Um, it can look like uh, telling them exactly what I need out of a situation, what I'm looking for. You know, sometimes, especially with our parents or siblings, we might call them to vent about something and telling them like, I don't in your situation need this feedback. I don't need a solution. I just want to tell you about this, get it out of my system. Some people are like that. I'm kind of like that. I need to just get it off of my chest. And once I do, I feel better. Um, so really it's different for everyone, I feel like, and it's obviously different depending on what your family dynamic looks like, but kind of figuring out what works best for you and trying different things, because sometimes, especially when you're going through these phases of figuring out yourself and doing healing and inner work and figuring out just who you are and what you want in your life, it's, it takes taking a step back. And sometimes that looks like physically, sometimes verbally, sometimes um, just emotionally for a little while. And that's something that I've had to do. And it really, I feel like has benefited me the most. And that's what I focus on in my boundaries. I never, never want to hurt anyone with your boundaries, but at the same time, you need to do what's best for you and try to do it in a, a loving way. Yeah, I do agree that setting boundaries is really about doing what's best for you. And sometimes other people can be hurt or offended. And in those circumstances, how do you practice self-compassion? Like, do you ever feel guilty after setting a boundary or shame pop up? Like, how would you deal with that? You know, I did for a long time. And that was something that really helped me when I practice setting that you're doing it with people or friends who are going to be understanding. If you have friends who, you know, you have plans with tonight and you tell them, you know, I'm really sorry. I just can't make it anymore. I'm having one of those days and I need to have some time to myself. You know, if they're not going to understand that and if they're going to be upset about that or something, those aren't friends that you probably want to practice setting boundaries with. I have been really lucky to bring and kind of like manifest new friends into my life who are really understanding and good about some of those things to the point where none of us need to even give an excuse and you should never really have to, but that's something we were kind of like taught to do as we grew up to make other people feel better. So if I was to text my friends and we had plans tonight and I say, I can't go anymore. Sorry. I'll see you guys later. They would be like, okay, take care of you. Like, hope you're doing good. You know, and that was it. And I think that's something that's so important is just practicing with loving people so that when it comes down to setting those harder boundaries, you know, what healthy boundaries are, you know, what it looks like when someone reacts in a healthy way to your boundaries. And you know that anything that someone might be throwing at you, 
it's not anything that you did wrong. It's something that they have to process within themselves and like figure out about them. Yeah. I I feel like that's, yeah, that feels so true. And I want to know more about your process of manifesting these healthy friendships. Cause I feel like a lot of my audience asks me about this a lot. And a lot of my clients that I work with are asking me as well. So tell us more about how you did that and what the journey was like. So for me, this was kind of pre COVID. So we were able to get out a little bit more and stuff but I actually moved to North Carolina a little over two and a half years ago. And I only knew a couple of people here. So for me, it was a huge goal of mine to just make tons of friends, make like a solid, really good group of friends who were the kind of people I wanted to surround myself with. And previously I haven't had the healthiest of friendships. So one of the first things that I kind of had to start doing was removing myself from those friendships. And that was really hard to do. And obviously it's a situation by situation basis, but it got to the point where I had to tell a very handful of people, at least that I couldn't be in this friendship anymore. And I know that's not the path a lot of people take, but one of my um, lessons I'm supposed to learn in this life makes me usually be in situations where I really have to tell people my true feelings. So I've never had the kind of friendships where like, we just kind of grow apart. That doesn't happen to me. (laughs) And once I kind of started weeding out the people who were not, not aligned or we had really toxic friendships that's when I feel like doors started opening up for the healthy friendships to come in. And I put myself in a lot of situations to meet new people. I mean, I was going to events two or three times a week to um, interact with new people and entrepreneurs specifically. So that was something that was huge for me to go out and meet people. I ended up meeting a lot of my friends here, like in coffee shops when I was working Um, I met them like on Instagram, actually, which is something that I had never done before was reach out to someone on Instagram, like, Hey, do you want to grab coffee? Let's be friends, but it worked. Um, and so I also really set the intention of what kind of people do I want to surround myself with? What am I calling in? I was doing manifestation, um, I don't want to call it like a ritual, but it was doing like manifestation things a couple times a month where I would sit down and journal on exactly like what my friends and I did and what our lives, like what kind of, how we would hang out and interact with each other. And I really, that's one of the ways that I manifest best is by writing it out as if it's true now. So making that intention and just putting that out there I feel like was a big thing but you can also sit there and write all day it doesn't matter if you're not taking that aligned action so that combination of putting the intention out there being really clear about what I wanted to call in the kinds of people I wanted to be surrounded with and then taking action to go out there and try to meet people those two things I think made the biggest difference for me 
I love that. I feel like I resonate with that so much. And it's but similar to, I feel like a lot of things that I've manifested in my life, like it's really a process of, like you said, either doing those routines, like writing it down or whatever, but then also putting in the effort and taking that aligned action is really like the perfect combination to get you to where you want to be. And that's, that's really funny. You mentioned like you met people on Instagram because one time when I was living in Hong Kong a few years ago, I had like no friends there. And I ended up meeting one of my really good friends now on Instagram. So definitely a good way to use social media. Yes. I mean, it was so weird for me the way it worked out. I was like trying to find a podcast actually on manifesting. And I found this one podcast, I'm listening to it. And then the girl starts, her next podcast was about how she was moving to North Carolina and how she didn't know anyone here and this kind of stuff. And I'm like, this is so weird. I just feel like she's moving to this town where I live. She's got to be moving to Wilmington. I'm going to find her on Instagram and see. And sure enough, like her most recent photo was in Wilmington. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect because we have you know, aligned like beliefs and spirituality and entrepreneurs. And so made some friends that way, you know, there's always, it's always comes through. I feel like in ways, ways that you don't anticipate, you just have to be open to them. Yeah, totally. I feel like it's, it's not always what you expect, but the universe always gives us what we need and want. Yes. <laughs> So I want to switch, yeah, right. I want to switch gears a little bit here into spirituality and what you do. Could you tell us more about the Akashic Records for anyone who doesn't know what that is and how do you work with them? Yes. So the Akashic Records is a living energy on the fifth dimension, which just bear with me. <laughs> Um, so this energy, it's constantly moving, transforming, changing, and it houses the information for every soul, our thoughts, our feelings, our experiences, not only from this life, but our past lifetimes as well, um, and also current future possibilities. So the records is often explained as a library to kind of make it more tangible and kind of imagining that every soul has their own book. And so someone who accesses the Akashic Records taps into this energy and they're able to, if you will, read the Akashic Records and give you information on your soul. It's kind of like Google for the soul. So it's a very healing experience anytime your records are opened and it's really a place for you to connect with your higher self and get clarity. It kind of takes the ego out of the equation for a little bit. And it's, it's really like a DNA blueprint of your soul. So it's the essence of who we are at our core. It's our why it's our how, and when we take the ego out of the equation, we're able to feel like we're, we're able to feel our own truth. And so if this makes any sense at all, <laughs> the Akashic records, it just kind of tells us, you know, how something might be relating to other areas of our life 
where it came from, what we're supposed to be learning in this lifetime or our takeaways from certain situations. It removes that worry and fear and judgment that comes with our ego and this very human experience that we're living. So the thing that's really cool about the Akashic records is that a lot of different modalities can be used with the records in combination and it kind of, it amplifies them. Um, so I know people who do like tapping and NFT and stuff in the Akashic records to help amplify that energy. What I do with it is very different. It is energy work. So when I'm using the Akashic records, I'm not generally giving a reading like a lot of Akashic record readers. I use it more to gain information for my clients. Um, so if I'm working with someone and they are having a lot of anxiety, we can ask the Akashic records, where is this anxiety coming from? What was the initial trigger that set their anxiety in motion? Is it from a past life? Is it from um, like generational that they're getting this? Um, is it something related to work or childhood? And we can find out all of this information really quickly which makes it great for my work because we don't have to spend hours digging deep to get this information from you. And once we get to the root of where your anxiety is coming from, we can start to heal that anxiety. And since we are on the fifth dimension, we're able to pretty much remove and clear out that energy from your field so that at the end of the session, I'll ask the client, okay, when you think about your anxiety or you feel into that anxiety, what do you feel right now? And at that point, the answer is, I feel nothing. There's no energy there. There's no energy behind it. I don't feel anxious. And it takes it out of the equation for you so that moving forward, you can continue living your life without this block and stress and everything that is kind of preventing you from reaching your goals and just heal a lot more effectively. That's also interesting. I, I'm someone who's very much a beginner to Akashic records. Like I don't know much about it, but it has caught my attention in the past. And I'm just curious. So are the records unique to each person or is it just like one single thing? Like, how does that work? So everybody's records are different. Um, and we all, our records are, they're just constantly changing based on our current experience too. So you can ask different things in the records. Like you can ask how, why, and what questions, but they are unopinionated. So they're not going to ask you like if you say, should I do this? Yes or no. They're not going to give you an opinion and tell you what one to do, but you can ask a question and say, if I was to take this path, what would that look like for me? Or how would I feel? Um, and if I was to take this path, how would that feel and lead you to help you make a decision that's for your highest good? When we're looking at the records for me, the way that I receive the information, it kind of depends on who I'm reading for. Like I'm, I'm not sure if you know, 
clear senses. I'm sure you do. Or for your listeners sake, your clear senses are how you receive your intuition and can hear and listen to your angels and different things. So for me, I'm very clear audience, which means that I will hear it or it kind of comes in as like trains of thoughts for me. Um, but when I'm reading for other people, if I'm reading for someone who's very clairvoyant, that's what I get. Um, so that part is always interesting to me. I'm not sure if I answered your question or not. No, that is very interesting. I think I I was just trying to understand how to access the records, but it sounds like it's kind of like you're communicating with your guides. Is that correct? So the Akashic records, we'll start with accessing them. There's a couple different ways to access them. Really, to me, what I found the most important when you're accessing them is to be coming from a heart-centered place, as with, you know, meditation or any type of spiritual stuff, you always want to be focusing on your heart center so that you're coming from a high vibrational loving place. The second most important thing is the intention of accessing the records. Um, If you don't have the intention behind it, then it doesn't usually work. Um, So a lot of people use different prayers to access them. You can access them solely by setting the intention of wanting to access the Akashic records and kind of going into a meditation. And when you're communicating with the records, you're, there's a couple different, I don't want to say like, there's a couple different like benevolent beings that you're communicating with. There are the masters, teachers, and loved ones. So our masters are kind of like your soul angel. To me, I associate your master with being your soul angel. And so that is the, your guide, your angel, whatever you want to call it, who is with you in all of your lifetimes and helping you, your soul on this journey. Um, The teachers are your guides or angels who are with you to help you learn specific lessons They're there for certain periods of your life, but they may come in and leave based on if you have like mastered certain parts of your journey or if you need them or not need them yet. And your loved ones are people who we've known in this lifetime who are with us and they just want to be there and help us on our journey. But your loved ones don't usually communicate in the records. They still have worldly opinions and views usually. And so they, um, if they do show up in the records, it's usually just to provide support and comfort. So they don't usually like give you any information, not like if you were seeing a medium or a psychic. So that's kind of who we're communicating with is your guides, your angels, your soul angel, Um, And they get their information from the lords of the records who are benevolent beings who protect and guard the records. That's amazing. (laughs) Totally. I feel like that that just sounds so cool. And I'm super into all that stuff. Like it's super woo woo, but I'm here for it. So thank you so much. Thank you for explaining all that. I feel like it's definitely very, very interesting. And a few last questions here, because I'm a huge astrology nerd, and I'm just curious if you are familiar with your astrology chart at all. I am. So I am a Aquarius sun, a Libra moon, and a Sagittarius rising. Wow, that is 
That's cool. I was actually guessing that you had some Libra in you. So yeah, that's very interesting. Are you yeah. are you familiar with your human design type? Yes. Um, my good friend actually does human design. So I am familiar with it. Um, I am a manifesting generator. And I think my profile is like a five, two. Okay. I'm a manifesting generator. Do you know what yours is? I am a generator and I am a five, one profile, or I I can't remember the order. It's either five, one or one, five. (laughs) I know. I'm like trying to think of what the order is for mine too. Um, But I'm super into all of that stuff. I know my my astrological chart is, has a ton of Aquarius energy in it. So I have a lot of Aquarius in me, but my, um, Libra moon always conflicts with my Aquarius energy. So that's always such a struggle. And then my Sagittarius rising is very accurate because that is just totally how I come off to people. That's so funny. I feel it, but it's interesting because I feel like Libra and Aquarius would actually kind of get along more since they're both air signs. Oh, I do not feel like they do at all. (laughs) That's so interesting. Uh I also have a lot of Aquarius traits in my chart too, kind of in like the hidden parts, not so like in the forefront. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel like I do resonate with a lot of the Aquarius tendencies, like not wanting to listen to other people or just wanting to be unique and do my own thing. So definitely relatable. (laughs) Oh yeah, lots. That's totally Aquarius. It's like a love-hate relationship. I know. And my Libra moon's always like, ooh, I don't know what I want. Um, let's be indecisive today. My Aquarius is like, you just make up your mind already. I don't want to feel anything. And the Libra always like wants to feel everything. So <laughs> that's, that's what's conflicting. It's like my emotions are so conflicting between the Aquarius and Libra for me. Yeah. I, it's, I, I was just thinking about this the other day, how people always say that Libras are very indecisive. And yes, I feel like there's an aspect of that. I think it's like, they're more so being indecisive because they can see all the aspects of things. Like they can see the other point of view and just all the sides. So I feel like it's hard for them to come to a conclusion because they can kind of see all the different I guess, results, so to say, even though they're, you might not be psychic, but you can see all the, yeah, the different directions and that's kind of what makes them yeah. take time to make decisions. You're totally looking at everything from every point of view possible. And you're like running through every scenario in your head, which can get to me a little frustrating because I'm like, at the same time, like I can't stop running through the scenarios in my head, but I really want to. <laughs> I could completely relate because I have my third house in astrology. The house of communication is in Libra. So I feel like the mm-hmm. way I relate to people in my communication is very Libra-like. So yes, it is definitely a struggle. And then with my human design, 
my strategy is to wait to respond. And so I have to kind of go through like this roller coaster of ups and downs when making big decisions. Like I have to be way up here and be like, oh my God, yes. And then way down here and be like, no, until I finally reach this leveled out place where I can make a solid decision. (laughs) So that for me takes a long time too. Like it can take me a couple of weeks to make a big decision when I'm looking at something like working with a new coach or making an investment. Um, So yeah, it's fun all around (laughs) for sure the responding part is like yeah definitely I something I resonate with too because as a generator my uh, strategy is also to respond and Uh, I feel like well my my um authority is emotional so I'm supposed to like wait on things sleep on it but I tend to be like a very impatient person so that's been definitely a lifelong lesson for me to just wait on it <laughs> to be certain. I know sometimes I have to sit down and remind myself like, okay, since you are emotional authority, you just have to like go through all of this and let it, let the waves like ride out. But it's uh, to me, the one thing that I have really honed in on, on my human design is my not self theme, which for me is frustration. And if I'm sitting like ever saying, I'm feeling so frustrated, I'm like, okay, I'm not living according to my human design then. And I need to figure out what I need to change. And that was the thing with my last business is I was constantly feeling so frustrated with my clients, with my work, with all of the like marketing and design and stuff that I was doing. I was so frustrated all the time. And I really had to sit down and be like, okay, I don't think this is working for me. I love that you mentioned that because ever since learning about my human design, it's just made so much sense and helped me in learning how to listen to my intuition and make decisions for my business. Because just just like a few weeks ago, I was kind of deciding to launch this new thing in my business But when I was working on the content and the marketing stuff to, to launch, I felt very frustrated. And I was like, I don't think I'm meant to launch this right now. So it kind of took some time for me to take a step back and just realize that I think the universe is telling me to wait, even though my ego was being very stubborn and wanted to push through. But I just feel like, learning the human design has definitely helped me so much. And I recommend it to like everyone I meet. So I love that you are familiar with it. It's a really cool tool to use to figure out. It kind of just figures out how to like make decisions and just make life easier. I feel like, cause you're not trying to force anything anymore. Once you learn more about your human design, cause you know more about how you operate. Um, so that's, what's really cool about it to me. Yes, for sure. I, I love all of that. So as we are just coming close to the end of the podcast now, where can anyone find you online? Like what are all your links? Yes. So you guys can find me at marilee.com or on Instagram at marileeb, um, M-A-R-I-L-E-I-G-H-B. And those are the two places I usually hang out the most. 
Um, and you guys can always shoot me an email or DM if you guys want to talk, because I love always talking to people about spirituality and their journey and all this fun stuff. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for sharing all of that. I love discussing all things spirituality. So that was a very fun conversation. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.